schools, especially colleges, are still teaching theory. That doesn't help you land a job. That's not a real skill. You know, I have a master's degree. And when I graduated, and this was recent, this was 2015, when I got my master's degree, I still didn't find a job in that field straight away. I had to hustle to get the skills that I needed because everything that we'd learned was so theoretical. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging, empowering, and and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. So as we enter the beginning of June, it's often a time where one school year ends and we have the summer ahead of us and uh, we begin to think about what the next school year looks like. We thought it would be really great to introduce you to Christina Gentleman of PathMatch. And PathMatch does a lot of great work with college students helping find internships. If you know someone that's in high school uh, and thinking about what they want to do for their work or college and trying to think about what the future holds, this is really just going to be such a fun episode to share. Christina is an amazing guest and has so much knowledge uh, around coaching that demographic uh, and that age group and really helping the next generation not only help them find jobs that they love to do, but also give them real world skill sets to meet the requirements of those jobs that sometimes colleges aren't able to equip students with. Christina is a talent and organizational development executive and career coach. And after over 15 years recruiting, developing tech, and consulting talent for both large and medium-sized companies, Christina joined PathMatch as the head of coaching and talent development. Additionally, she has held volunteer board positions focused on talent and recruitment at a fine art nonprofit and in the junior league, and is a certified yoga teacher. She holds a BA in communications and an MS in organizational development from Pepperdine University. And when Christina isn't working, you can find her enjoying Los Angeles with her husband, daughter, and rescue pup. Let's welcome Christina to the third place. Christina, it's so cool to get you here into the third place. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I wanted to give a little insight to our listeners. So Christina actually introduced us to an intern that we onboarded recently That's um, that David is teaching production and editing skills to in the podcast world. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it was fortuitous timing. Um, I met him. I uh, was so impressed and then met you two days later and um, <laughs> the connection, so... Well, it's certainly a a job that has a lot of demand right now. Yeah. And and I think a lot of times, like, you know, our listeners may not even know that we do all of our own production and that David's a musician. He has an 80s cover band. (laughs) (laughs) That I was practicing right before here. Oh, were you? What were you practicing? What song? Um, So we're going to, we're learning You Better Run by Pat Benatar, which was the second ever played song on MTV. Really? What was the first? Video killed the radio star by the Buggles. Oh my God. This is the best start ever. <laughs> yeah. All I've got from the music side of things is my neighbor is flea. 
from the Chili Peppers. So we, we've yet to actually meet him. Um, we moved here during uh, during lockdown, but I see him quite a bit. That's wow. so funny. That is cool. I That is, uh, I mean, I took piano lessons in <laughs> elementary school. So I'm not, I'm not on the same page as you guys, but, uh, so anyways, um, Christina, I would love for you to start like with a brief introduction of what you do now and how you came to this place. And then we can dive into what we brought you on for. Sure. So I work for Pathmatch. Uh, we're a tech company focused in education. And what we're really aiming to do is Build equity in in how students find jobs. You know, um, when I graduated college in 2002, there were about a million of us graduating from college and almost as many um, jobs. You know, and I look back at the job that I had. I worked in New York City for a radio station, uh, for a radio network. And what I was doing was so manual. I was literally pulling pieces of paper off of a fax machine, putting something into an Excel spreadsheet, and then putting the paper away. I don't even know if fax machines exist today, but that technology is it's just, you know, the radio station plays our program. They probably just click a button and there you go. There's the compliance. So these jobs that we were able to do just no longer exist in the digital age. This year, 2 million students are going to be graduating from college and there's fewer jobs than there were when I graduated. And so, you know, we're really working to, to build some equity there to help students gain the skills that they need through actual skill building. And then, internships so that they learn um, real world how to apply those skills. And now if you look at entry level jobs, it's it's insane. They're asking for one to two years experience. How do you get that when you're in school? Internship. And so we're helping students understand that. Like um, my parents had no clue. They didn't know how to advise my brother and myself. My dad was an FBI agent. My mom was a teacher. That's a very defined path to get there. And they'd never spent time in the corporate world. So my brother and I had to figure it all out on our own. With Pathmatch, we really help level the game. And, and my ultimate goal with this is how do we build equity so that people of color and, and women in underrepresented groups are having the same experiences and the same opportunities so that we can build equity into the entire workforce experience? David, did you know that there were less jobs and twice as many graduates? I'm like still sitting here like, whoa. Well, I mean, that's why... I'm often in entrepreneurship classes at both the high school and college levels, just talking about social enterprise and and just kind of through my lens and experience. Now it makes sense why there's a lot of people that are taking entrepreneurship classes if the job doesn't exist and you have to create your own. Yeah. And then, you know, looking at where the jobs are. So, you know, not to, to rip on our education system. Right. But schools, especially colleges, are still teaching theory. That doesn't help you land a job. That's not a real skill. You know, I have a master's degree. And when I graduated, and this was recent, this was 2015, when I got my master's degree, I still didn't find a job in that field straight away. I had to hustle to get the skills that I needed because everything that we learned was so theoretical that I needed to show, you know, have some demonstrated uh, place where I could say I actually did these things. And so, you know, they were just not bridging the gap. And then looking at, you know, there are like, millions of jobs available in digital marketing, product management, uh, UI, UX. There is no major for that. There's no major for podcast, uh, you know, intern. You know, I, I helped that intern find you guys just by my network, right? But th that probably, that would have been harder to happen organically because schools are not training students to be doing those things. You know, sound engineering is one thing and, you know, it hasn't 
probably hasn't quite evolved if it's anything like the, um, you know, the, the school that I went to. And I went to a big state university. I went to Louisiana State. And it was very, very theoretical. When I went to New York and was trying to find my first job in advertising, it was challenging then. But I was still able to find something because basic administrative skills, they would trust me with. You know, if it's something like digital marketing where you actually had to, to do it and learn it and you're not learning that in school. And then there's also the, the space where students don't know that this exists. They don't know that product management is a place where they can have a full career, that they can make an excellent living and that they could, you know, with tech, you can do your job anywhere. They just have no clue and there's no major for it. So we really are trying to build that in too and give students awareness of, of what the job market really is like in the digital age because schools have not caught up. So it sounds to me like the university or the college system right now is not hasn't caught up essentially. And when I think of it in my like entrepreneurial world, I think of it it's like small companies can pivot quicker and can catch up to age quicker. And that when you have a big business, a, a big enterprise, it's so hard to make those moves. So it makes sense to me that there's going to have to be these entities like PathMatch or the work that you guys are doing that's going to bridge that gap because they're only going to be able to move so quickly to actually get to the place that they're matching where students are exiting and how they're entering into the career world. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a massive gap there. And, you know, and I look at schools, too, and I look at career centers, and it's like they're telling students the same thing they were telling me, you know, in the late 90s. But, you know, I don't fault them for that because many of them have never been in the corporate world. You know, they they don't know that things have evolved in this way. And yes, it is much easier for a smaller company. But, you know, we saw like massive changes with corporations like my last corporate job before I found PathMatch. And I'll tell you how that happened um, in a bit, because I think it kind of fits with the ethos of third place. But, you know, we were I worked for a huge med tech company. And I was on the talent management team. And I was put on because that falls under HR into a COVID task force. When COVID happened, you know, we recognized like the world was going to change pretty dramatically. And I still remember, you know, March of last year when we're like, oh, yeah, you know, in June, we're all back in the office. Um, In LA, that definitely hasn't happened yet. But we started noticing that companies that had that were going to do massive changes with their technology that they had planned for like a five or six year phased rollout were doing them in like two or three weeks to catch up because companies who had already were already using things like MS Teams and and you know kind of embracing that digital piece were having way better success with pivoting with everything that happened with COVID and and that was the smaller companies but the big ones recognized pretty quickly that they had to catch up. And I think part of that is too, you know, if you looked at the makeup of my last company, 50% baby boomer and Gen X, 50% millennial and Gen Z. So, you know, it's hard to balance all of those different types of cultures and what people are used to. And, you know, I even have started noticing, like, I'm like, oh, gosh, new tech after 40? Like, oh, my God, this is going to be so much harder. Um, you know, And so those things are really difficult. But companies started to realize and big enterprise companies started to realize they had to get on board with the digital age and move things quicker, faster so that they could compete, continue to compete. You know, so much of any business is is pivoting. When I think about the theory of what college or even high school is supposed to be teaching, so much of it is teaching you how to teach yourself. Because, you know, I, I remember when COVID first happened, lots of business owners that were upset with uh, the government on shutting things down and, and saying very quickly, like, oh, you're closing my business. And while I think that 
could have been true some of the time. I also saw it as like, this is an opportunity to pivot. Every business has to pivot all the time. Blockbuster is a great big business that didn't pivot and they could have, they could have been Netflix, right? So pivoting is just part of the business, which means that you have to be adaptable. And so you have to be learning and you have to be always ready to pivot. So yeah, I mean, I think like one of the things that has happened in a good way over the last year is this digital world has so evolved so quickly that it's leveled the playing field where those of us that are over 40 have had to learn how to be on Zoom more often, you know? And so now it's the norm, you know, like now, now it's the norm, uh, even within our business, jobs that I would never have considered that would be um, remote. We hired remote and I, it helped me widen our scope of the talent that was available for a traditionally in-person role. And it was amazing for the the new hire and for our business. Yeah. And think about what this can do, like for just for cost of doing business. Like now you can have, you can hire that fa- fabulous software engineer that's in Tacoma over somebody who's in San Francisco and costs like significantly more. And then, you know, also like one of the big problems, um, at least that I saw a lot working for big enterprise companies is this. There's a lot of work around, you know, a lot of mantras around, we need to hire diverse talent. And then it doesn't happen. So if we are able to hire people wherever they are, that really helps like with barrier to, to just getting people in the door. You know, like my last company, we were um, on the completely opposite side of Los Angeles and LA is huge, right? You know, <laughs> we're huge. We were like in the, the most Northwest corner. It, you know, we were constantly trying to find professionals of African descent. I was like, there's no possible way that there's no people of African descent that want to work for our company. But if you look at the where the population lives, it wasn't in the area where we were. And to get from that side of LA over to where we were would have been massive. And we don't have any, you know, mass transit. Imagine if we could say, all right, that's fine. You know, work where you work where you live. You know, we can absolutely create more space and and have more diversity in business if we were able to do that while saving money, which is great. Yeah, I think when you and I first spoke, I was surprised by something that you said, which was basically that a lot of that it was very much theory and that and that that meant that not only are there fewer jobs, but also that they're not being equipped with some of those basic skills that are necessary to be able to even entertain the idea of getting those few jobs. And I'd love for you to touch on like what are some of those skills that are now required that or basic skills that are not tended to that are lacking in conventional schooling that you're trying to provide in the work that you do now that will help get them in front of the the hiring agent. Sure. So for most majors, those skills that you're you know the skills that you do learn do not come until your senior year. If companies are already asking for, you know, one, two, three years of experience before you can even be considered for their job as an entry level person, if you didn't get the skills, if you're a software engineer, you didn't get them until your senior year, how could you have played? How could you have had those experiences and gained that along the way? So there's that piece. And then there's also the, you know, like I mentioned UI UX, not a major. 
So, you know, when I work with students who, you know, through our matching program, so we're a tech company, you know, we have a matching that they go through and it's all through our system where it shows them based on, you know, their personality, we do MBTI, um, matching that with what they're truly interested in and what they want to do. Most of them are graphic design majors. Okay. Where's the print advertising now? <laughs> you know, I mean, that was what I majored in. And at the time, magazines and newspapers were more ubiquitous and now they're not there. And so they're still learning how to do these things that even when they do get to that skill piece, it's not the right skill to get the job that has longevity in the digital age. Yeah, I mean, I, even the conversation around podcast hosting, we were like, how do we engage with a population that needs a skill set? And the immediate group that I thought of were music majors. You know, here's a group of people learning a skill that is in the art field, which a few people make lots of really good money at it because they can break that barrier of being famous. But the reality is that the majority struggle to make a career out of that field, or you can certainly. But here's this new digital platform. Podcasting are doubling in the next 12 months, the the number that exists. And all of them, uh, because of copyright laws, need to have original music for theme songs. And so here's a group of people who knows how to do audio editing, right? And and can use the skill set to actually monetize and create a job. And now also use the thing that they love to do. And, and that's write and arrange music and, you know, kind of fill that in. But it's a very practical application in a digital world for a major that kind of once you graduate is really hard to plug in. But it also does sound like it gives you that mid 1900s feel where they had such a clear path, you know, the teaching path, the police force like that. There's it's like, I think that there is a craving to get back to that in some capacity that not a lot of my friends in the millennial generation, like I think we're really proud of the fact that we can pivot and that we are constantly trying to progress ourselves. But that usually comes from five-year stints at a company rather than the the 50-year career. And that's sort of just become like the way that we've been operating because I feel like we're in this like in-between. But I do know that a lot of people are still that's usually coming from a de- desire to have like, man, I just wish I would have known this about myself or been or known what existed out there and how could I complement my skill set to my dreams and my my preferred lifestyle earlier on. That sounds incredible. There is some peace to be had around having a clear path to a, being a teacher. Yeah. And also, you know, having it be tech enabled, you know, right, where you're you're figuring out the path, it might be something you've never even heard of, like product management, you know, not a major unless you've you've grown up in the Bay Area and have a lot of techies in your family, you probably don't know it's a thing. And it's a huge thing. When I, uh, when I first start working with students that match the product, I immediately pull up a company that they might be interested in. So I usually go with something like Spotify. How many product managers do you think work at Spotify? And they'll usually say five. And then I pull it up and it's thousands. And I'm like, because there's a product manager for every product they've got. And like, I I look at my own path, like my decision to major in advertising and graphic design was literally based on, I saw a Jennifer Aniston movie called Picture Perfect. And I wanted to do theater. My mom told me not to do that. And so that was, that was the deal. That was what I, that was why I picked it. I was like, well, it's kind of creative. That sounds good. Couldn't ever find a job in really in advertising, you know, had to go the sales side, you know, working with um, for the radio network and, you know, just not the best <laughs> match for my skills. I, yeah, I'm super introverted, like sales, you know, I don't know how I ended up there. 
how I ended up finding my path was trial and error. So it took me a while. Um, and then I ended up going to uh, a recruiter who, when she met me, she said, interesting that you've never thought about talent acquisition and recruiting. And I had no idea what that meant, but I just nodded. And I was like, yeah, mm, tell me, tell me why. And then she ended up sending me across the street um, when I got the job as campus recruiter for Bain & Company, which is a big strategy consulting firm. And I credit Bain with so much for me because I had no idea what that was. They made me really successful at it. And while I was there, I started saying, my gosh, I'm so curious what happens next. It's one thing to get these people in the door, which by the way, recruiting, there's like hundreds of thousands of jobs in that. And that's not a major. Nobody knows what it is, right? Until you get in. And that was when I started to notice I am super interested in we get these consultants in, we start putting them on projects. How do we think about their career holistically? How do we get a strategy around that? That led me to my entire career, what has really been my career and my passion and getting my master's degree in organizational development, which, you know, I said I couldn't go and get like an OD specific job. I had to kind of do some other things before I was able to do that after getting that degree and really got all of it, you know, because OD is so like change and psychology focused. That was my real experience uh, working on the COVID project at my last company, um, you know, really getting that change piece. But I could have saved so much time if I had known that talent acquisition and recruiting was a thing. Um, you know, talent acquisition being like internal, you work for a company and recruiting. Gosh, I, I know people who are recruiters who three years out of school were making doctor money. But you don't, this is not a path anyone is aware of. And they're not telling you about it in school. Did you have to pay for the recruiter? No, she was a headhunter. Okay, cool. I mean, I just, I think about that too, though, because I feel like, like, what does it take for someone to even get to the point where they're like, someone you know, give me some insight, help, help me here. Cause like, I feel like that's no, you know why that happened? Yeah. Why? I was, I had moved to LA. I was working as a graphic designer and traffic manager for a magazine. This was 2004. That was when the digital age started to happen. Magazines were folding like crazy and I knew it. I knew it was coming and I was trying to stay a year. So I would have it on my resume when they told us everything was being offshored to Alabama, I grew up in the South. I you know, nothing against Alabama, but I did not want to move there after you know getting a taste of Los Angeles. And I was like, "Oh gosh, what do I do?" And I went to a headhunter. I mean, and and you know, a college path doesn't teach you that either. That you should you have the access to help hire someone or engage with someone to help you find that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember I went to career services at my school. And again, I went to Louisiana State University. This is not like a tiny little school. This is huge, right? And I remember having a conversation with the advisor for advertising. And I told her, you know, my dream is really to move to New York. Um, what do you suggest that I do? And she said, well, you know, you're not going to make any connections here in Baton Rouge. So you might just want to wait till you get to New York. So that's what I did. Not the best strategy. I showed up in New York with uh, $300 in my pocket, a dream, <laughs> and fortunately found my job within a week. But I was only making 25 k a year in New York. And <laughs> that was not even a lot in, in 2005. That was not a living wage. So, or in 2002. Um, you know, so thinking about that, like it would have been so helpful to have known, like, this is really what you're going to make coming out of you know, of this. And this is really, you know, yes, it would have been valuable for me to have an internship, even if it was in Baton Rouge, because I would have had something real on my resume. Because I went to ad agencies, and they were like, yeah, like, we could hire you as a receptionist. And I knew I didn't want to do that or go that path. But you know, schools are just, and schools haven't changed with that kind of being the way that they they handle these things, just 
they don't know what they don't know. And, and I don't fault them for it. But if there's nobody there who's been on the corporate side that's actually seen these things play out, then students need someone like Pathmatch, you know, to, to help really shepherd them. And like the students that I've worked with, you know, it, and also there's a piece of it, like the student has to work for it too. You know, we don't just create magic, you know, they, they get matched, they come to, they work with us one-on-one, -on -one, teach them how to interview really well, because, you know, it's one thing to have the skills, you have to be able to sell yourself. So we, we work on that. And then we work on just building all of the skills that you need, getting those internships. And in the last week, I've had one student land at an iBank and another one land at a big four company. Um, and she landed that for next year. This year, she's going to be at a big um, enterprise company and she's a sophomore. And without that, like, you know, I mean, she tells me all the time, she's like, I wouldn't have, I would not have known what to do. And she goes to, you know, a top program, but she still was lost. Well, and it clearly education had its gaps and the gaps seem to be, have gotten wider, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I think school is, is great for what it does. You know, I think uh, there's a lot of, you know, just growing up and learning that happens on college campuses, which, you know, can't be beat and a lot of maturing that needs to happen. Um, but I, I just really think about, you know, how my parents couldn't advise me. My dad has a law degree. My mom has a master's degree in education. And I think about, gosh, this would be so much harder for a student, maybe like a first generation American whose parents truly do believe that college is the path to success without recognizing what all they need. That was one of the things that I believed when I graduated high school was that college was the only way, you know, if you wanted to be successful, college was the only way. I find myself surprised sometimes because like even just yesterday, I was meeting with a new client. We were talking about business. Um, I was helping kind of guide him through forming a business idea, forming a business plan. And, you know, the the conversation of, wow, where did you go to college came up? And my story is I didn't graduate with a degree. I went to college and I read an awful lot and I loved education. I loved teaching myself. But my path, it, I, I don't know. I saw the gaps and I realized college wasn't going to fill them for me. And um, cutting edge books would. So now part of my conversation is that I was good at learning and I valued education. So that that didn't stop because I didn't uh, stop going to school my junior year. But it is fascinating because there was this gap, but it but I there was a lie that I lived into for a long time that in order to be successful, you had to have this college degree. Yeah. And another piece of it that, you know, again, I think it um I think it impacts uh, underrepresented groups even more is college is so dang expensive. Like when I went to LSU, the reason that I went there is I got a full ride. You know, I, I wanted to go to NYU and my mom was like, yeah, no, New York is so expensive. We lived there when you were little, that's not going to happen. Um, and so I went there because it was free. And so I was at least able to graduate debt free. I totally get where the amount of time you know it takes to, to find an internship, especially if you don't know what the heck you're doing and there's nobody really helping you with it. So much easier to go get that server job, you know, um, or that babysitting job or that lifeguarding job. And then at least, you know, you know, it's easier to get and, and you can feel confident with being able to, you know, help with some of your expenses. Problem is employers don't care about any of that. And I think I learned things at my server job that I still use, you know, customer service and, and all of that good stuff. But that was not the stuff that lands you a job. Yeah. And it's so interesting, too, because so David and I met in the beverage world and have worked in a ton of hospitality or helping people open up third places and coffee shops in particular. 
And there's this book out there called It's the Manager that I think has really touched on how there's this old will versus new will. And that old will touches on this like one track path in a career. And the new will is that that there's a lot more of these sort of stepping stone jobs, which include a lot of hospitality, but that the best thing that you can do as an employer or as an employee is to take it as seriously as if you are translating those skills. So just like what you said, it's like, of course, I mean, the stuff that I did as a barista or as a waitress, like actually totally bleeds into everything that I do now. But it's hard for without that guidance to be able to in an interview, know that you need to use language that translates to the skills that you're doing now, or let alone actually the application so that you can even get entertained without that direct experience. And so I think those that are more progressive in in the hospitality space are really trying to empower in that way and and drive those connections when they don't exist as clearly, but those are few and far between. And so I really appreciate like how you how you brought that up and that that is obviously the plethora of jobs lie there still, but that those that direct translation isn't there. So curious because you I think that you already touched on it, but you mentioned that um, your story really does connect with sort of the work in the third place. And I, I wanted to make sure we didn't miss that if there was more to that as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, how I found Pathmatch, I was still at my corporate job, um, but I recognized when I turned 40. So January 2020, I always say I had the most productive midlife crisis possible. I, I sat down. And I was like, I have been doing these things in these large enterprise companies for so long. I, I don't want to deal with the bureaucracy anymore. You know, what is missing? There's a piece that is missing. And, and what is that? Because I love the core of what I do. And so I found, uh, I started going to a coaching program. I went through IPEX program. It was life-changing. It was amazing. And one of the things that it, it really did for me was make me think about what is my actual value? You know, how do I articulate that? And how do I be more bold? You know, I, I'm extreme on the I, extreme on the J on, on Myers-Briggs. So you can imagine you know, I like to get stuff done, but I do it quietly. So how do I make that work for me? And coaching was great, right? Because it's working one on one with somebody and, you know, seeing how you can change their lives. And I, and I knew it worked because going through the program, I was having that experience of being coached by somebody that I actually ended up bringing on as a coach for Pathmatch um, because he was so fabulous. But how that that kind of connects is I was looking around for what are companies that I understand their mission and I truly believe in it because I always agreed with the missions of the companies I worked with, but I wouldn't say that I was passionate about them. So how do I find that passion piece? And fortunately, I have a very patient husband who you know, is willing to take our five-year-old and deal with her while I, I went through all of these steps um, of figuring this out. And so I started looking very intentionally on LinkedIn. What are these companies you know, that are not at the big enterprise level, something smaller, some place where I can truly see my impact and work with people to change their lives? And it led me to Pathmatch. And I looked online and they had a requisition out for a coach that was completely not me. It was somebody who was former finance and investment banking and that's not me. I grew up you know, in consulting firms and then had you know, experiences in tech after I had my daughter. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna take that bold piece and I'm gonna pretend I'm not an eye for a second. And I wrote what, you know, now is a big piece of path match, you know, clarifying your elevator pitch. You know, I only had 30 characters, I think, you know, because LinkedIn, if you're not, if you don't pay for it, it's a small amount to sell myself to the CEO. And what I told her is, I am not what you're asking for, but I, 
I am what you need for these reasons. These, this is my background. This is where I think I could be helpful to you. I would love to talk to you about potentially coaching for your company. I sent that on a Thursday. She wrote back to me on a Friday. And by the end of the weekend, I had a contract to be a coach. So I was really excited about that. Again, was still working my, my full-time job. The next couple of months were completely intense. Like there was not, you know, that's why I said kudos to my husband for taking the load for this, but I just fully immersed myself in it. I was like, I'm going to figure out before quitting this other job, you know, is this really what I want to do? And by October, you know, the CEO, Nancy of Pathmatch and I just, we worked so well together and we got along so well. And I fully fully agreed with everything that Pathmatch was standing for and, and what they want to do and how they wanted to change the world. And I was like, yes, this is it. And so I said, if I were to quit my job, could I work for you part time? And she said, give me some time. But yes. And so, you know, in October, I was able to tell my job, hey, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. Um, ideally, I would work for you until Thanksgiving, then I'm going to go part time and then I'll quit right before Christmas. And so I felt like I did the right thing by everyone. But by the time, you know, that was all ready, you know, she was able to hire me and and we've been able to work on this together. And since then, we have just we've changed so many things. Like when I started at Pathmatch, one of the first things I said was, we need to do group coaching. I was like, we're missing out on this group atmosphere. You know, this can be a really helpful tool, especially for those of us who are extreme eyes, right? Getting them out and having them, um, you know, bringing those voices to the table, uh, getting people to know each other. If we're going to talk about networking, they need to do it. Um, and so we started, um, I created the interview accelerator. And I remember talking to Nancy about this as a, you know, an idea that I had, I was still working all my other jobs. And she said, that's great. Could you get that going? And I thought she was meaning like, you know, later. And I said, yeah, yeah. She goes, great. I'd like it to start next week. And I was like, oh my. So, you know, I pulled it together and, and started rolling that out. You know, now we're on almost our 10th cohort going through this process uh, together while also some of them work one-on-one -on -one with coaches. And that was really great. And then, you know, we've pivoted our business for the summer. You know, we're going to be doing summer accelerators for nine of our most common career paths, including UI, UX, product, digital marketing, these places where companies want skills and schools aren't teaching it, right? So we're doing that. People can still go and take our, our matching and then it'll help them figure out which accelerator to join. First six weeks, skill building. You know, we've got all the content ready to go. It's in a learning management system, you know, we'll feed to them every week. There's going to be a coach that is an expert in that area there to answer their questions. And then the last six weeks, guaranteed internship. We're placing them with uh, with companies that we have relationships with so that they can get that real world experience too. And, you know, it's just so much has changed, but so many positive changes. And, you know, just seeing now the the impacts of the students that were in that very first cohort, the interview accelerator where I started in a week, had no idea what I was going to do week two and was just building this thing as I went. Those are the ones that are, you know, the one that I mentioned that's just landed at a big four. Another one's in final rounds of the big four. And these are sophomores. I, you know, it's just a total game changer. Yes, especially when so many in uh, higher education right now are have had to be online and probably didn't have as many in-person resources. And, and, you know, what we've talked about is that it's probably hard to, to make those changes or to meet the students where they're at in the digital world within the university. So that, you know, I feel like the void just like got greater. And I love the idea of being able to equip them and meet them where they're at. And I think it's really honorable and, and also really, I mean, I'm still sort of sitting here being like, oh my goodness, there's going to be twice as many graduates and half the, half the jobs. 
Well, and, I, and you're hitting so many of the gaps that education that hasn't offered or has has not caught up with. I remember like even basic things. The first time I read, I was in college when I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So a very classic book. And I'm reading it, like flipping the pages, like, dang it, why didn't I learn this in third grade? Why wasn't it being taught then? Because it, wouldn't it be great to learn those habits at such a younger age? So not only are you filling gaps that education is is not quite caught up yet with, but you're investing in these young people that you're helping change the world by investing in them. And this generation, what gets me so excited about this generation is they believe that the world is going to change through their work. So, so just that idea of social enterprise, um, you know, even things like like climate change, we can't kick the can down the road anymore. They're They're going to have to deal with it. And so they're going to solve the problem. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been so impressed with, with this generation, so I'm a very, very young Gen Xer, um, like borderline. Um, and this was definitely not the ethos of the, you know, when I was going through school, I will hear any of them. If I ask them what is most important to them, they, they usually talk about the environment, but more importantly, they'll say, I want to create space for people who don't intrinsically have all the great things that I have access to blows my mind because that was not even, I didn't have language for that. Not that I didn't feel that way, but I did not have language for it. And if somebody asked me what's most important to me, I would have probably said, well, I really want to move to New York. <laughs> you know, it would have been something so like uh, all about me, you know, and, and they are, this new generation is not like that at all. I, I think they have all the potential and like, you know, the, the moments where they, they succeed, like the young man that I've been working with, he's a junior, um, He's at Michigan and, and he's just been a joy. He does all of the things that I tell him to. He's so hardworking. And when he called me this weekend and told me he got the offer from the iBank that he really wanted. And I had to pull over. I was driving and I just started like ugly crying. I was just so happy for him because, you know, he'd worked so hard for it. And he's such a good kid. And you want people like that in finance places where, you know, I mean, I think we all heard what happened this week, you know, with people talking about iBanking and um, how wonderful that it's going to be the future of it as somebody like him. You know, in moments like the last year, especially the work that you're doing and this uh, knowledge feels hopeful to me. And it also feels like something that I can tangibly take action in because I feel really passionate about equipping the younger generation with uh, the knowledge and the know-how to navigate their next stage in life. And so this is totally an extension of something that I'm really passionate about so that maybe, just maybe someone doesn't have to transfer schools four times like I did. Whenever I have to share my thing, it is not linear whatsoever. And I'm not saying that linear is the way to go, but it does sound like, like how can we allow them a little bit of ease and flow because there's a lot to get done. And so in order for our listeners to connect with you, connect with Pathmatch, where can they find more of your work? And um, especially if they know someone that could benefit from the services. Sure. Yeah. So our, um, our, our accelerator programs, you know, we are going to offer those this summer. It's an ongoing thing, you know, make sure that you're checking on our website for the deadlines. Um, so we're offering them for our nine most common paths, many of which like UI UX product, digital marketing, we do not have majors for. So students will still go through our, our, um, our technology and our matching so they can figure out which one is the best fit for them. Uh, we do have an application process, uh, but I've been really excited about getting uh, students involved in this and um, such a joy to be able to give them the skills they need and then also match them with the right internship. 
Well, we've definitely had that employer positive experience. So uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we can literally speak to yes, it. Like, yes. when does that happen? <laughs> what is it? I'm not just a a brand advocate. I'm a customer too. <laughs> right. But you know, and that one was, you know, it's just like the, the beauty of path match, right? You know, if I had met that person and they needed a lot of work, I wouldn't have been comfortable saying, Hey, Mary, do you guys ever take interns? Cause I've got someone, mm-hmm. you know, it's about, you know, meeting the, the student where he or she is at and helping them get up to speed. And that's the, like the beauty of the coaching, right. And, and helping them gain the skills. Um, I met that student and knew within like maybe the first, 10 seconds of talking to him that uh, he had maturity well beyond his years and, and was yeah yep. and, and was well positioned to take on uh, an internship as a sophomore and so yeah that it, but that's the beauty of it too right like we're able to work with them to help them get to that space of of the readiness piece of the, what I call cl- being client ready um, so that they're successful once they are talking to people because it's also a huge bummer if you have a bunch of intern a bunch of interviews and nobody wants to employ you you know so you have to get ready for it again something the students didn't know and I, I cringe thinking about some of the things that I didn't said you know when I was um, interviewing for my first job and so I make sure that they're not doing any of those things yeah yeah well you're you're definitely, um, you've found your path match too, right? So exactly. yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Christina, for, for being here. It's been such a treat. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Be well. Third Place Podcast is produced by Podcast Publishing House. If you like what you're hearing, follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify. Also check out the episodes on our website, thirdplacepodcast.com for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation, so make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Third Place Podcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host Happy Hours on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thirdplacepodcast.com.